0: On the podcast, I'll be back to the basics, repentance and forgiveness. I'm on. She says I need more volume up here. Can you give me a little more volume? Back to the basics re- uh, repentance and forgiveness. So sometimes uh when we're not expecting or we're not executing, when we're not doing things right, when the church is not, I'm talking about the church here as a whole, when the church is not executing right. Um, we have to go back to the basics, right? That's why, we're t- that's why we're doing this series called Back to the Basics. They do it in sports. They go back to the fundamentals. When there's a football team and they're not executing the plays right, they are not doing their jobs right, they're not doing what they were intended to do or what they're being paid to do, right? God made us to fulfill a purpose. And when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, we're not, we're not, we're not executing properly, we have to go back to the basics or back to the fundamentals. Learn some things, relearn some things that we've learned before. Does that makes sense? So that's why we're talking about these, back to the basics, repentance and forgiveness. So in the early church, Peter preached to 5,000 people, or Peter preached to 5,000 people were saved. He preached to a lot more than 5,000, 5,000 of them were saved, right? Peter's shadow, they were carrying people out in the streets on their mattresses, on their beds, and Peter's shadow would heal them when a when the shadow fell on them. I'm talking about the early church today. Paul's clothing, they would take articles of Paul's clothing, and people would be healed by touching the clothing. By coming in contact with the, with the things that had come in contact with his skin, they would be healed by that, right? This is what Jesus died for. This is what Jesus intended for his church to be, right? His bride to be is this powerful thing, right? So this is what he died for, for us to be reconciled back to God. For us to be his ambassadors, right? For us to walk in anointing, right? For us to have power and authority and glory and peace. This is what Jesus died for. For his church to look like this, right? Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many? All. All. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, though, right? So in Romans 6.23, says, This is basic stuff. You all know these, right? Right. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages. wages, is what you've earned, right? When I go to work all week, my wages are paid to me in a check. That's what I've earned, right? Yeah. We earned death. Yeah. You deserve death. I deserve death, right? The wages of sin is death, and what's the definition of death? If you've been coming here very long, you know. Separate. Death is the separation of something forever, right? Yeah. Everybody knows what death is when your body dies. We're, we're a triune being. We're a spirit and a soul, and we possess a body. Are you following me? Yes. And when we die, our spirit and our soul comes out of that body, and the body goes to the ground right? Separated from the spirit and soul forever. In the great white throne judgment, right? Your soul is going to be separated from God forever if you're not prepared. That's the second death. That's what we're being saved from, right? So the wages of sin is death. You've earned a separation from God. We've earned a separation of being his ambassador and living in power and anointing and authority and glory and the joy and the peace and all those things, right? In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So if we have a separation between us and God, we're not going to have joy flowing in our, right, in our life, right? We're not going to have that joy and that peace and that glory and that power and the anointing and the authority and all those things aren't going to work, right? So the result of that separation is, right? The church is weak and anemic. Are you following me? The church isn't what the early church was. The, the, the church today is not what Jesus died for. Are you following me? When's the last time that, you, that you've been in church service and seen the fire, the, the fire of God fall? When's the last time that you've seen the shadow of someone heal somebody? Are you following me? We do prayer calls and good things happen with that. But I'm just saying, we're not executing the way that the early church executed. We're not executing the way that Jesus intended us for us to execute, right? We're not doing the things that he died to pay for us to be able to do. We're not being his ambassadors the way, he, the way that he intended us to do those things. So the church is weak and anemic. It's not what the state of the church today, what I'm getting at. The state of the church today is not what Jesus died for. He died for us to be reconciled back to God. Don't get me wrong, and we do that, and we get part way, but we're not living in that power and that fire, that anointing that he intended for us to, right? right? We keep doing the same things over and over and over and over again because it's just what we've always done. That's how we've always done. That's how Grandpa did it, so I do it like that. Or that's how Mama did it, so I do it like that. And we continue to do the same things over and over and over again, and we keep getting the same results. Yeah. That's kind of insanity, isn't it? Yeah. To think that we're going to do the same thing and we're going to get a different result next time. Right. That's a little bit insane. So we keep getting the the same results, but we can't figure it out. The church just continues to be weak and anemic, yet we just can't figure out what's wrong with it. When we still continue to do the same things. We continue to live the same ways. I'm convinced the church has much more to offer to the world. Are you following me? Anybody know our vision for this church to take this town back for Christ, right? To take this town back for God, right? The devil's ran his course here long enough, Right? With abuse and addiction and all the things that have gone on in this town, he's ran his course here long enough, so our vision that God gave us here is to take this town back for him. How can we possibly do that being weak and anemic? Are you following me? We can't figure out what's wrong, though, but we keep doing the same things. I'm convinced that we have much more to give to the world if we live according to God's statutes and God's plans, right? I want to be part of a glorious church, right? That glorious church that, that Jesus died for. Right? He wants, a, he, he wants us to be ready when he comes back. Let's look at something here. The first temple that, that was made by man that wasn't a tent. Right? The first temple. It took seven years to build. A big, glorious building. Uh, David, King David, couldn't do it because he, was, he had too much blood on his hands. Right? So he stored up these materials for this, this building to be built out of, and his son Solomon was able to build it. Right? So after the building was built, they dedicated this building. Now think about this dedication. They sacrificed 80,000 head of cattle. Can you picture that? 80,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. Now think about the blood that would have came out of that many animals being sacrificed. This was a gory scene. You couldn't have fit it all in several, it would have taken several tanker semi-trucks to hold the blood that ran out of this thing. Can you imagine? It took three weeks to do this. Three weeks to sacrifice this many animals. Think about this. I get complaints if I preach for 45 minutes. They held church for three weeks. Imagine the people who was a year older when they got out of church than they, came, than they was when they came. Can you picture that? Your agent sitting there. Three weeks they had this thing. A massive church service. And 2 Chronicles 7, 1-3 says this. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. When's the last time you've been in church and saw fire fall from heaven? Think about that. We're not doing something right. We're not doing something right. And consume the burnt offering. And these sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Filled it so much the priest couldn't even go inside. And 2 says, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And 3 says this. When all the children of Israel saw the fire had come down. How many of them? All of them. This is a pastor's dream right here. Can you imagine if the fire fell in this service today and everybody around seen it? I wouldn't have to convince you. I wouldn't have to convince you to be here on Wednesday. Everybody would be here. You'd be bringing people with you. I wouldn't have to put 50 bucks up for a children, for a Sunday school contest because you'd be bringing everybody you could. If you saw fire fall from heaven, think about this. When's the last time we saw these things? When's the last time we saw we prayed and saw these things, right? They they seen it for themselves, so they knew. They knew the church in all her glory. That's how it was then. and, and where was that? Here, the fire fell down in the glory of the Lord on the temple. They bowed their faces to the ground and they and the pavement and they worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, "For He is good; for His mercy endures forever." Right? This is the church in all her glory, right here, in all of her glory. And then in Second Chronicles seven twelve through fourteen, it says, "If the church isn't like this, if the church isn't having fire fall down in all of her glory, right? This is just we're going to skip a few verses and we're going to start reading in verse twelve here. Right? We're skipping nine verses, so." This is the church in all of her glory, and they're they're praying, and fire's falling down. Everybody sees it. Everybody's coming in. Everybody's making their sacrifice. Everybody's paying their tithes. Everybody's living according to the way that God had them to live. Can you imagine if the fire fell down? Everybody would get righteous real quick. Are you following me? It would scare us to death to see that happen today. But he goes on to say in 13, he says, if it's not, oh, I haven't read that far. Let's go back to 12. I'm sorry. If the church isn't like that first one, though, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. This is going to be the house of sacrifice. This is where you come and make your sacrifice to me. This is where you come to have an encounter with the almighty God. This is where we come to church for is to have an encounter with almighty God. Right. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. So we can have an encounter with him in the shower. He meets with me a lot of times in the shower. I can meet with him in my car. I can meet with him on the line at Ford. But when we all have a meeting with God outside of here and, and we're living according to God's plan and then we come together corporately, it's a powerhouse. If we're doing this thing right and we're living the way that God wants us to live, fire will fall down. Has God changed? No. Not one bit has he changed. Not one bit has he changed. So if this isn't happening, the ball's in our court. There must be something that we're not doing right. Then the Lord appeared to Oh, I already read that part right there. Come on, says 13, says When I shut up heaven... This is God saying, right? Every time we think there's something wrong, we want to blame it on the devil. But, but God said, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or send a pestilence among you. So when the church isn't all glorious in the way it's supposed to be with fire falling down, this is what happens. God punishes us for not living the way we're supposed to live. Right. Isn't that what he's saying here? And 14 says this. If my people who are called by everybody memorize this scripture, right? Yeah. Most of y'all know this scripture if my people who are called by my name what do we call ourselves christians right a follower of christ if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from now i preach about this all the time right what's 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 that mean to turn from means to repent good job samantha you are listening to turn from my to, to repent of their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Leave this one up here since we're going to talk about this one for a while. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If my people, if the Christians, if just the Christians, he's not talking to everybody, if just the Christians will humble themselves and pray, right, and repent of their wicked ways. Repent doesn't mean that you say what you did wrong and you continue down that path. Repent means that you turn away from it. You do a complete 180. As hard as I went toward the world, I went that hard toward God. Then what's he do? What's he say he's going to do there? Then he'll hear from heaven. And then he'll forgive their sins. And then he'll hear the land. How many of y'all know that our land needs to be healed, right? It needs to be healed. And a lot of times we're busy in the punishment. Are you following me? We're stuck in the punishment part of it. But wicked there, I want to I read to you this here. Wicked, this is my main point of this right here. Wicked means bad, evil, or disagreeable. Right? Bad, evil, or disagreeable. So any way that's not God's way is disagreeable with God's way. Would you agree with me on that? Any way that's not his statute or his principle or his plan, then, if it's disagreeable with his statutes, his principles, or his plans would be? Wicked. Wicked. I don't think we completely understand wicked. We think wicked is someone who's living in the world. We think wicked is someone who hasn't made it as far as we have. Right? Because what happens is we get saved, and we come into the church, and we lay down some big things, and we get a little bit big-headed, and we get a little bit holier than now and we forget where we came from a lot of times. This is what happens, right? But we continue dabbling in some small things. But can you continue doing some things that they're not that bad? I don't think they're that bad, preacher. What's he called here? Wicked. If it's disagreeable with God's ways, it's wicked, right? I believe that we pray. I'm not saying that we're terrible people. I'm not saying that by any means. I believe that we pray, right? I believe that most of us humble ourselves, especially when we come into an encounter with Almighty God, and we feel Him get all over us, and we begin to cry, and however your flesh deals with it, right? And our hands raise up. Some of us go to our knees, some of us speak in tongues. However, your flesh deals with that encounter with God, I believe that we're humbled at that time. Yeah. I believe that we pray. I believe there's a problem here, though, with wicked. Yes. Wicked. We continue, we make it so far into our repentance, and then we stop right there. Yes. Like we've somehow arrived. Right. If you think that you've arrived, you need to get up and exit out the back door now, you're in the wrong church. Right. There's still repentance to do. Until. Yes. This came to me this week. The Spirit gave it to me. It had to be the Spirit because I'm not this smart. Until you're perfect, you still have things to repent about. You still have repentance to make, right? So I believe that we pray and I believe that we're humble, but the problem is right here with this word wicked. Because we're living in sin. There's sin in the camp, church. There must be sin in the camp because I'm telling you, I can read how the early church operated and I can see what's going on in this church. Not just Grace Family. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I've been in other churches too and would you think if fire fell down from heaven, it would be on the 6 o'clock news. Even though I don't have a television set, I do have a television set, but it's not hooked to any outside source to get any channels on it. You all would tell me about it. I'm sure of it. Pastor, did you hear about the fire falling down over there? Right? It would be everywhere. The word would get out. So it must be across the church. It must be the whole church. We're all part of the same body, right? All the church, as long as we're believing in Jesus Christ and we're trying to get to heaven and we believe that there's one true living God and the only way to get to him is through the blood of Jesus Christ. As long as we believe in that God right there, we're all trying to get to the same place. Doesn't matter what, what shingles above the door. Right? So but we have to we have to turn from our wicked ways, right? We don't understand the wicked though. If we truly turn from wicked and follow God's ways, right, get in the Word, this would require us to get in the Word and find out what His definition of wicked is. Right? See what those six hundred and thirty laws say about us. Now the Bible says if you're if you're led by the Spirit, you're not bound by the law. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the law's wrong, does it? Because the law will tell us still tell us what, what he God hasn't changed. Yeah, right. Just if you're led by the Spirit, you won't cross over those laws. There won't be any law against that. There's not any law against being led by the Spirit's what he's saying. But we still have to get into our word and find out, right? So we can we can prove what is God's good and favorable and acceptable right to God. Does that make sense? Yes. So if we truly turn from wicked, we'd turn toward God. We'd turn for God. We'd see that fire fall down. Mm-hmm. It must be the way it works. It's in the Bible. I believe God, the Bible is infallible. God's word works 100% of the time. Okay. I believe that you have to choose to believe all of it, every page of it, or believe none of it. Right. That's up to you. All of it or none of it. So this has to work like this, right? And if the Christians would get into this, Just the Christians. Think about the percentage of true Christians. I'm not talking about, I work with a lot of people, and I'm not talking about just the people who say they're Christians, because a lot of people say they're Christians, and turns out they're hypocrites. Are you following me? And I'm not being the judge, but the Bible says, don't judge a man, but judge his fruit. Are you following me? But the true Christians, if just the true Christians would get into this right here, if they would turn from their wicked ways, guess what would happen? We could change the world. We could change the whole world. Think about this. Think about the homosexuals today. They're a small percentage, and I'm not picking on them, but they're a small percentage of the population. But they stayed constant at their goal for years and years and decades and years, and now we're seeing homosexual marriage. Think about it. Don't the Christians outnumber them? So if we would turn from our wicked ways, if we would just live according to God's statutes and and God's plan for our life, think about the powerhouse that we could be. We see some power now. I'm not saying the church is powerless. We've seen several people healed. We see people saved on a regular basis. We see these things. We we see the spirit move. But I'm talking about fire falling from heaven. Think about that. And the early church changed the world. Why couldn't we change the world? Right? They healed people with their shadows. The demons were cast out. Right? They cared for the widows. They didn't have to have welfare. Think about that. People brought their goods into the church and gave them to the church, and the church dispersed them to take care of the widows and the orphans, right? They didn't need welfare. That's what the church is supposed to be, but the church has been hamstrung and can't do what it's supposed to be because people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Does that make sense? So until we see our church operate like the early church, right, there's work to be done. There's work to be done. There's things to repent of. Until you're perfect, there's something that you need to turn from. Something that we need to turn from. Last page of notes. I'm going to get you all out of here early. Nope, it's not my last page. Sorry. Three more. Three more. I'm still going to get you out of here pretty early. We have a baby dedication to do. Um, verse 14 says, He'll forgive their sins and heal their land. Two words right there. He'll forgive their sins and heal their land, right? So this word heal right here, now get this, this word heal right here means to heal like a physician, to repair thoroughly, to make whole, or to restore favor favor is not fair right who couldn't use their favor restored our country we've lost our favor let's just say that we used to be a world power we still are world power power if we get up and do something about it while we still can but a country that 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 can't even feed themselves we're in debt to that's not favor are you following me does that make sense to you? So, so it's to restore favor and then to forgive to forgive our sins, right? His forgiveness, though, demands our forgiveness. It demands our forgiveness. Part of repentance is forgiveness. I had to be forgiven. That's how I repented to God. I turned away from those things. God forgave me through the blood of Jesus Christ. He forgave me. Matthew 5, 22 through 24 says this. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, "Rocker," now that word "rocker" right there means you have an empty head. He's saying you have rocks for brains. It was the word, it was the term that they used back in Bible days. That's what it means. You can look it up in the concordance. He's saying you got rocks for brains or you have an empty head shall be in danger of, of counsel. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. And 23 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, not even that you're mad at your brother, but your brother has something against you. Right? What's he say to do next? 24. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So you can't even take your sacrifice to God when your brother is upset with you. Or when you're upset with your brother, you've got to make it right. He requires forgiveness. Isn't that what he's saying here? You have to make it right with your brother before you can offer your sacrifice. He requires forgiveness, right? We have to forgive to be forgiving. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He'll forgive you if you forgive. Isn't that what he says? His forgiveness requires your forgiveness. And 15 says this. Come on, sister. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. If you don't forgive, he's not going to forgive you either. And so many times, I've been caught up in unforgiveness before, and so many times, we'll think we've forgiven, but every time the topic comes up, we replay it in our heads. We tell people what happened, what this person did to me. Are you following me? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you can be telling them about Brother Stephan up here, and, and pretty soon you, you spread it around the church and you got 15 people that come in that don't really know Brother Stephan yet, but they don't like him because of what you said about him, because of how he wronged you, right? And Brother Stephan, he don't care. He don't even know you're mad at him. <laughs> this is how it works out, though, most of the time, right? So who is it hurting? It's hurting you. Yeah. So we have to go to people and we have to ask them for that forgiveness. Now, if they don't choose to forgive me after I've asked for forgiveness, that's on them. That's between them and God. They'll have to take up that up with him when they stand in front of him on that great white throne judgment. But it's not up to me any longer. Church, we've got to forgive to be forgiven. I'm talking about that wicked way still. So many people are holding on to unforgiveness, but they think they've turned from sin. That's not how it works. It's not how the word of God says it works. God for God's forgiveness demands our forgiveness. Grace brings responsibility and obligation. It, we weren't obligated to that before we were saved. Before God's grace, before I came through the blood of Jesus, I could have been mad at anybody I wanted to be mad at. Anybody, I, I don't care who was mad at me. But when I come through the blood of Jesus, when I got saved, I had to go and ask people for forgiveness that I had been mad at me for years. Right? It was up to them whether they forgive me or not. That's how it has to work. Forgive, the word forgive. <clears throat> Excuse me. This thing's getting tight on my neck. My neck must be swelling. My throat's just getting dry. Forgive, the word forgive is used 56 times in the Bible. Think about that. The word forgiven is used 42 times in the Bible. Then forgiveness, forgiveth, forgiving in those forms is used another 14 times in the Bible. For a total of 112 times that word or, or versions of that word are used in the Bible. Now, if all scripture is breathed by God, and it is because the Bible says it is, if He talks about something hundred and twelve times in a message that He wrote to you, wouldn't you think He'd want you to remember that thing? Yes. He demands it. He demands it. Forgiveness—the act of uh, the forgiveness—the definition is the act of pardoning others in spite of their shortcomings or in spite of their errors. And you can say, Pastor, they—they they don't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve it. They've made error. They've hurt me. They've done all this and they've done that. And they just don't forget. They, they don't deserve it. Ask yourself this. Did you deserve it? Did you deserve it when Jesus climbed up on that cross for you? Did you deserve forgiveness? Did I deserve forgiveness when he climbed up on that cross for me? And let them put him through the most horrible, horrible, painful death ever known to man. We didn't deserve it. You're not forgiving someone because they're honorable. You're not doing it because they deserve it. You're doing it because God's honorable. Right. You're doing it because his statue said to do it, but you're doing it because you want to put away your wicked ways. It goes against the word of God to have unforgiveness in your heart, right? The New Testament says, the Testament means covenant or it means deal, right? It says that we can be, this new deal that we have says I can be reconciled back with God through grace, Right? We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember what I said earlier? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. I've earned death, right? But through grace, unmerited favor, I can be forgiven. The Bible says I have been forgiven. Actually, not can be. I have been forgiven. That's great news. The Bible says he takes that that, that sin, and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. It's never to be charged to us again. We're not responsible from yesterday. We're only responsible from here forward, right? Never charged to me again, right? God's ready to forgive, now, write this down if you're, if you, if you're taking notes. Luke 15, 11 through 32. Luke 15, 11 through 32. I don't have time to read it all, but it talks about the prodigal son. What would that dad do? His son said, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to blow through it with riotous living. I'm going I'm to live in a terrible way, a way that you wouldn't approve of, dad, and I'm going to blow your money on doing it. What did that dad do? He walked out there every day, every day, and he waited on that boy to come back. Every day he went out there and checked to see if he was coming down the road looking for him. He was ready to forgive. He was ready to take that boy back in and love on him. Church, God's ready to forgive today. He wants to forgive us today of our wicked ways. I feel the Holy Ghost in that right there. He wants to forgive us of our wicked ways. He's ready and willing to do that. Just waiting, waiting for you to make a new commitment with him. That's what he, that's what he wants today. That's what he longs for. We must forgive, though. In Matthew 18, 22, Matthew 18, they asked Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? Should I, it was customary in that day to do it three times. They should, should I forgive him seven times, though? And Jesus said, no, you must forgive him 70 times seven. Jesus is telling him, you forgive him 490 times. If he comes and asks you for forgiveness, you forgive him 490 times a day. Think about that. Are we supposed to sit there and count out 490 times a day? No, he's talking about an infinite number. How many times have I messed up and God's had to forgive me? Think about it. How many times have you messed up and God's had to forgive you? We must forgive each other that many times. If your brother comes to you and asks for forgiveness, I'm not saying you've got to be a doormat. You ain't got to be that at all. But you do have to forgive to be forgiven. God's Word says that. God's Word explicitly says that over and over and over again in His Word. So I believe 490 times is an infinite number that He's given us. We must be ready to forgive, though, like God. God's ready to forgive. Like the prodigal son, right? Title of this message is to repent and forgive, right? We've got to turn away from. If you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart today, text that person, call that person, go meet that person in person. However, you gotta do it. If they're still alive, do it while you can. Sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's a it's a sibling, sometimes it's whatever it is. Make it right with that person. Ask them for your forgiveness. That better be God. (laughs) Ask them for your forgiveness. (laughs) I had to use that, Brother Stephen. (laughs) Brother Stephen said that on Friday. Someone's phone went off and he said, Is that God? (laughs) That's really good. I got to use that one. But we have to repent. Turn away from these things. Turn away from our evil. Even the things that we think are small things, if they are unagreeable with God's words and God's statutes and God's standards, we have to turn away from those things. You know what they are. We all have some things in our mind right now. Mine's time management. I get my head on something, this last week it's, Two weeks it's been a four-wheeler. I get my head on that thing and I work on it and I work on it and I order some more parts and I work on it and I stay busy on that thing until I get it done. But my relationship with God suffers. Mm -hmm. That's how my mind works. That's That's how I work. So some of you all know what yours are too. Let's repent. Let's get those right with God today, could we? And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you're harboring unforgiveness, go to that person. If they're here today in church, go to them and give them a hug and tell them you're sorry. Truly sorry. And sometimes that's hard to do. When I was really hurt, I couldn't, She's beautiful. When I, when, I was really, when I was really hurt, I couldn't forgive on my own. I had to go to God and ask him to help me with forgiveness. Are you hearing me? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about? And it took some time. It didn't just happen just like that. It wasn't just overnight. I didn't even realize that I had truly forgiven. I didn't realize that God had taken that from my heart until one day it came up, the topic came up, and I didn't replay it in my head anymore, right? I wasn't mad at the. And it took two or three times that before I even realized what was going on. Hey, I'm not mad at those people anymore. I don't have that on me anymore and as soon as that happened as soon as I realized that happened and I had truly given it to God God restored it back restored back everything that I'd ever lost he did anybody would come to the altar today and make it right with God come on down anybody man or woman enough today to come to the altar and repent I know we've all got stuff to repent of nobody's perfect in the room right nobody in the room can I get every head bowed and every eye closed this message spoke to you today could I see your hand Thank you for the hands all over the house. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We know that God, always, he, he knows he's always right on time. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows exactly what we need, and I thank him for that. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. As soon as I close, though, don't get up and leave just yet. We're going we're gonna, to uh, dedicate Matilda today, and I'd like for everybody to sit in on that, if you would, so we don't have any distractions. Father, we thank you for this day, Daddy. We praise you, Father. Lord, we just magnify your holy name today. Lord, I pray that you would cause this word to sink into our hearts, Lord, a good, rich, deep soil, Father God. Take root, Father God, and grow up and grow fruit from our lives, Lord. Cause us to realize the things that we're doing, no matter how small they may seem, Lord, no matter how insignificant they may seem, Father God realize that they're wicked daddy and that we have to stay away from those wicked things lord and cause us to realize if we have unforgiveness in our heart lord just bring it out of us father god and and show us how to forgive father god take these things away from us lord have your love shine through us into the world daddy Lord, I pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray that you would cause everyone to, to, to search their hearts today, Lord. And you search my heart, Lord. Search our hearts today, Father God, and, and, and bring it to the surface, Father, if there's something that we, need, that we need to repent of, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, touch this church today, Father God. Keep us safe physically, Lord, spiritually, Lord, financially. Lord. Keep us safe in every way, Daddy. And bring us back here on Wednesday with a guest, Daddy. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Father. Amen. Amen.